Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Well, Napoli's Victor Osimhen is more than catching the eye this season. In fact, he's leaping higher than Ronaldo, outscoring everyone in Serie A by some distance. And although he won't be adding a Champions League medal this year, if teams do want to bring him in, he's going to cost an awful lot. So who is the man behind the mask that's on everyone's must-buy list? Let's find out. I'm Mark Chapman. This is the Athletic Football Podcast. che si impenna, la chiama Drogowski, prima di lui Osimen, che beffa Drogowski, l'Uragano Victor colpisce ancora! He's one of those players that I think will go on to define the 2020s. Victor Osimen is going to cost a huge amount of money if he moves on from Napoli. And I think Osimen is, is so well regarded and, and is going to be big in the market this summer because teams want those sorts of players who can do different things in different situations. The mask is everywhere. If you walk around the Spanish Quarter, it's hung like uh, washing on washing lines between apartment blocks. Prova a tirare da posizione defilatissima e trova il gol del 2-0 al 33esimo all'improvviso. Victor Osimen. Joining us for this one, the Athletics' Carl Anka and Tifo's John McKenzie. You're always very poetic with me, Carl. So let me let me go to you. First of all, describe Victor Osimhen to me. The man in a carbon fiber mask is what <laughs> I've dubbed him. He is an extraordinary striker. He, he's one of those players that I think will go on to define the 2020s. But there's certain players, him, Urien Timber, Frankie de Jong, a couple more where you see him and you can, you can see very large clubs going, we either need to buy this player we need to devise certain schemes to stop this player or we need to change what we're doing in our academy so we can create more of this type of player. He he has a combination, he's very good iterative skills. So it's the idea of, it's very rare to have a striker that tall and that strong be that good and that inventive with his feet. Uh, it is very rare to have a striker that can just jump that tall in general. So he's pushing physical paradigms, but also his inventiveness in mind and his inventiveness in finishing is also something we haven't quite seen before, which I think makes him remarkable. Is he part of a new wave then, John, of number nines? Yeah, I don't know if I'd describe him as a new wave of number nines, but I think that all elite clubs want number nines who can score goals. And so whenever it comes to a striker like Victor Osserman, who is running just under a goal every 90 minutes in Serie A this season you do everything you can to get those players on your team. And uh, yeah, I think that's why he's in this conversation. It's it's very easy for us to talk about all of the, the various qualities that Osman has, and he does have many qualities. But 
when it comes to the bottom line for a lot of elite clubs, you need to have that player who you, re- you can rely on to be able to generate goals. And I think Victor Osserman is not only a striker who you can fit into a system, he's also a guy who can create goals out of nowhere. We've seen that happen so many times this season. That's why this conversation is happening, because Victor Osserman is that next level of, of striker who not only will fit into your system and get you a certain number of goals every season, but he's the sort of striker who will win you games and will get you really challenging at the elite level. Um, just on the fit into the system then, does it, is it irrelevant what the system is? He'll fit into it. It's an interesting question because I think pe- people don't realise that actually ten- tactics and talent are often intention, right? So a-, a lot of coaches will get more out of their players with a tactical system. But when you bring in a player with talent that can you know, enact those moments of skill then the, the tactics sort of goes a little bit behind uh, by the wayside. And I think this is the conversation we've been having all season about um, Erling Haaland, right? We have Pep Guardiola, the greatest tactician of all time, and then Erling Haaland, probably the, the greatest goal scorer of all time. And there's a tension there. There's, a, there's two things that, that, that aren't necessarily in tandem. And the big question is, you know, how does the, the tactical system change to fit Haaland? And I think that's the, that's the question you have to ask when you talk about tactical fit with Osserman. It's, it's not how does he fit into our system per se, but how do we bring him in and then make our system fit him as well to a degree? Mark, I know you're a man of NFL <laughs> fandom shall we yes, say yeah. uh, you, you might be familiar with the term planet theory which right. is the idea in the draft well every time there's a draft you, you know they, they talk about planet theory which is the idea of okay there's an there's an athlete out there and he's got a couple of flaws he's got a couple of things that need to be ironed out however there are only a handful of people on the planet that are capable of doing what this person can do so you bypass your tactical system you bypass whatever you short circuit your system you bring him in any, anyway and you figure out the rest because to an extent you know, Victor Oshman can fit into a number of tactical systems, but at a certain level, Victor Oshman can be the system if you're in a pinch, right? I've, I've watched him play for Nigeria and there was definitely a point in time where the system was, give it to Victor and let him figure it out. Well, and, and, and actually on that, the other point that you would always take for the NFL is, and the draft, best player on the board. If, even, even, if, even if you don't necessarily have that need or you have gaps elsewhere, if you have a generational talent a transitional talent whatever you say go go and get him and then fig- figure it out and that i mean it doesn't tend to happen i mean if you're manchester city and have erling Haaland, you don't then go and sign off although you know who knows what they might do but sign off some end as well but that that is evidently what you're talking about carl with him yeah i i truly think osherman can be the difference to a number of football clubs i think he has a way of turning a half chance into a full chance and a way of turning a speculative effort into a goal that can turn a team that, you know, possibly should be in the Europa League places into a team that can, can win. Not That's not, I'm not talking about Napoli there, but we've mm. seen a Napoli team that was almost there, almost there, almost there, has frequently teased possibly winning the Serie A title under a variety of managers. And now they're runaway leaders, in part because Osherman just knows how to put the ball in the back of the net in, frankly, ridiculous circumstances. Uh, well, let, let's actually uh, go to Naples, hear from James Horncastle. He was there on Tuesday, and he can tell us more about the impact that Osherman has had on the city of Naples. 
So as I was leaving the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona last night, you go through this kind of concrete inner sanctum and just before you go through the gates to leave, there is the parking bay for the team buses and also the, the players' cars. And it's just a lot of people milling around this powder blue uh, Mercedes Jeep, which everyone in Naples knows belongs to Victor Osserman because when they see him on the road, they toot their horns and uh, shout his name. And yeah, his story is, I mean, we talk about the cliche of rags to riches. I mean, in his case, as a boy, you know, he would go to landfills in Lagos and sift through the rubbish for football boots. His mother passed away when he was uh, a boy. His father uh, lost his job uh, soon afterwards. So his rise has been remarkable and it's it's impossible not to admire him you know i mean in terms of his popularity here in naples <laughs> it's remarkable i mean i was pitch side yesterday and there were other broadcasters uh, doing pieces to camera with the awesome and mask on the mask is everywhere if you walk around the spanish quarter it's hung like uh, washing on washing lines between apartment blocks there's, you know, various different things that you can get in Naples, you know, cakes, which are, uh, are baked uh, with the mask on. Uh, he's just immensely popular. And, you know, he has the opportunity to become the first uh, African player to win the Capo Cannonieri, the top scorer title uh, here in Italy. You know, even in Ozymen's comeback performance in that second leg quarterfinal against, uh, against Milan, he still scored. He had a goal disallowed and Spalletti said, you know, this is a guy who's coming back from an injury he'd sustained playing for Nigeria uh, over the international break. And he fought right until the very end of that game. He gave it everything. When, um, John, when did you first become aware of him? As well, in I mean, not, not James Holden. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone wants to pretend that they were there when he was failing at Wolfsburg right at the beginning. And, you know, everyone likes to think that they keep an eye on Belgian football as well. But <laughs> I'm afraid I, I only came across him when he had that 18-goal season at Lille uh, that really put him on the map and got him to um, Napoli. And, um, yeah, interesting to remember his trajectory, I suppose, at Napoli because his first season didn't go as well as his current season is going uh, for a combination of things. Injury, which I think we should probably talk about at some point because the injury question is, is a big one but he also had Covid in that season as well which I think uh, the after effects lingered with him for a while as well so didn't quite have that breakout season that we maybe expected but as I said this season everything going going so well for him Napoli winning looking like they're going to win the Scudetto uh, and and Osserman running at, you know just under a goal every game which is remarkable in in, in the present day um, Erling Haaland accepted. Do you think it was a risk for Napoli? I mean hindsight's a wonderful thing but it was an 18-goal season, 13 of them in, in Liga, and then Napoli make their move for him and pay a lot of money for him as well. I mean, that that's a risk, isn't it, Carl, based on one season? And, you know, we've already heard the uh, the mention there from uh, John about what happened in Wolfsburg. So they, they did take a chance. Yeah, it was not a slam dunk signing. De Laurentiis often likes to uh, mythologise signings like this when they look good in hindsight uh, he'll, he'll tell you very nice things about how he signed Koulibaly uh, and other players uh, but no it definitely you know, not 
not guaranteed. There were there were accusations that he he was uh, too ball dominant uh, and too prone to playing hero ball. And you know, up until I'd say recently or even this season, he took a lot of very low quality shots into crowds or trying to attempt to go through crowds or trying to overplay the ball. Uh, and certain things need to be ironed out. However, the the potential was evident. He he had and he continues to have a style of running and a way of occupying centre-backs that you shouldn't have at his age. That's the sort of thing, that's the sort of thing you're supposed to figure okay, out. Okay, well, explain, explain that. Explain that to us, then. Because you've done a video, haven't you, on, on, on the TIFO channel on his, on his positioning, how he gets in between defenders. So there isn't one size fits all. So talk us through the Osherman uh, point of so, view from what you've seen. So for the majority of Oshiman this season at Napoli, he is stood in between the two centre-backs. He is waiting to be fed. Uh, and he is so strong and so quick, he can very easily, almost essentially beat up two centre-backs quite well. His positioning, uh, particularly for crosses, is very, very good. So I've had discussions with Ian Wright, and he said, when you're a striker, one of the best places you can be is in a position where you can read the defender's name on the back of their shirt. And he goes, because if you can read their name, they don't know where you are. And Oshiman is very good at doing this when Kiravarskeria, my apologies if I stumbled over that, uh, when Kiravarskeria is <laughs> on the ball, uh, Victor very quickly tries to position himself behind one of those centre-backs and to get into that blind spot where he can't be seen. And, and from that, he is physically dominant. He, he's, his leap is phenomenal. So if the cross goes high, he can out-muscle and out-jump these defenders. And if the cross goes low, he is of a aggressive speculative mindset that he's prepared to stick out a limb and gamble and, put, and, and try and turn that cross in. Now this, as John mentioned, this has led to a lot of injuries, right? Oshiman is that sort of striker who's willing to break his nose, break his face, have his foot stomped on. Uh, all manner of injuries that superstar strikers aren't supposed to do anymore because he wants to score goals. He reminds me a little bit of uh, peak Jamie Vardy, who... You know, when Jamie Vardy was scoring all these goals for Leicester City, not only was he faster than the majority of these centre-backs, but because he came through a non-traditional, non-academic background, he had a, let's call it streetwise cunning, <laughs> that often bamboozled defenders. He, he you know, there, there have been times where you might see Oshman play a pass, run, run towards the defender, play a pass, and then just grab the defender's arm so the defender can't turn around very quickly. And that's something that, you know, if the referee spots that, it's probably a booking. That's something, as, you know, most centre-backs just are totally unprepared for. You know, they're used to holding strikers. They're not used to strikers holding them. Uh, and that's the sort of thing that makes him so interesting. He can run the channels as well. Uh, and he runs the channels again with this sort of Vardy-esque, rattling, speculative aggression. If you look at Oshman's history, he was used to sell bags of water down the street of Lagos, right? He came from a very hard upbringing and very much you have to try all the time I know you're tired I know you're annoyed but if you don't try you're not going to get and he he's brought that to his game as well there there's three or four times where a striker of his potential price tag and his goals getting would probably leave a loose ball but Victor goes for it and I think that is going to be worth two to three extra goals a season the fact that he does that second movement that you know you're only really supposed to learn in your 20 so when your teammate is shooting Everyone else is watching, but Victor is running towards the goal just in case the goalkeeper spills it and you can have a tap in. That toughness and that that fearlessness then, John, as, as you've kind of both alluded to, is, is obviously a huge strength, 
but then can also be a weakness because you then put your head in or your foot in where where really all you're going to do is get clattered and and he he has had injuries as you've mentioned yeah he's had a number of different injuries some of them muscular some of them impact based as well uh, which which reflects what you're saying there but that physicality is fundamental to the 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 role that he plays for for teams we talked about tactical fit before and i think the the tactical fit that he has at napoli is that napoli like to build up in quite a patient way they they like to do a lot of one touch passing move the ball down the field but they always have victor osman as an out ball they know that they can play it into him if they get overloaded by the by the opposition and that has a number of effects so one it gives you uh, uh, the ability to retain possession of the ball which is obviously important to them but also it creates space for them to then attack so if you if you are worried about a striker who can get on the last man or sit between the two centre backs can win the ball in the air can run in behind you gradually just force that last line back uh, and, and and generate space then for for your teammates but then yeah that physicality as well in terms of being a box presence is is fundamental Carl mentioned how he likes to drift off to the back post and then and then come forward he's only six foot one but he can his he I think we'll talk about his leap in a minute but he he has an incredible leap and that just gives him the advantage over a lot of center backs because from a from a standing jump he can he can get very high and so that means that you you know you you cannot simply allow him to just exist in the box as well he's going to cause problems there so he just offers so many different outlets in so many different areas if you're deep you can play it long if he's in the box he'll find the ball and head it in so just a really dangerous presence across the field he's got nine headed goals this season he um because there's a stat for everything nowadays uh he jumped 2.58 meters to score against Spezia which is the second highest jump in Serie A history. I don't know when they started measuring jumps. I always feel like whenever you, you often when you give a state, you have to say that since records began in about 2005 when they started <laughs> measuring uh, everything. On the physicality, though, and the leap, we often see a danger, John, when a team has someone like that, that their immediate thing is just knock it to him, knock it to him. So actually, there, there is a lot of praise here for how Napoli play, how they are coached, and their the intelligence of the supporting cast that everything just doesn't go long to him every time because that is an option. Yeah, it's it's all about problem solving, and and I think Osman offers you a lot of solutions to problems that 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 teams can put up against you, and I think that's why he becomes such a, a dangerous player. You know, if you push your back line high, he can run in behind. If you drop your back line deep, he can he can do link up play and and help bring his teammates in. Uh, he's also pretty good against low blocks, so he can he can fashion chances for himself, and also as we've said in the box. He's he's a physical presence, so he can he can you know he can cause centre backs problems. And again, we talked about space creation when when we're playing in open play from deep. When you're playing in the box, you you need to put a couple of centre backs on him because you know that he is going to be able to have that standing leap. And again, that is just generating space elsewhere for one of his teammates. So yeah, the, it's 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 he's just really really um, I think variable. I think is the is the word that I would use. Um, it used to be the case that you know a, a goal scorer was a goal scorer, and that. It, you know, as long as they were scoring goals, it didn't matter. But that sort of approach doesn't fly anymore. Uh, and I think Osman is is so well regarded and and is going to be big in the market this summer because teams want those sorts of players who can do different things in different situations. The, the other thing on this with both of you and Carl, maybe you go first. If you, if you look at his shot map, all of his goals bar three in Serie A this season have come within the width of the six yard box. Right, all all three. 
which means that the supply he gets or how the ball is put into the box or how quickly the ball is put into the box is kind of crucial. So obviously, Kravat Scalia is, is, is crucial to Osserman in all of this. But they again highlights the supporting cast. You know, you talk to centre-forwards at the past. You know, if you have a winger who twists, turns, twists, turns, twists, turns, you know, get until they eventually get it onto their right foot and put it in, the centre-forwards like to pin them up against the dressing room wall and <laughs> clobber them at half-time for not getting the ball in at the right time to them. So when you look at that shot map, that's, a <laughs> again, the supporting cast are huge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think... And we were talking on Wednesday morning in the wake of Napoli's defeat against AC Milan. One reason why they lost, one, Victor didn't look fully fit and yet he still was a threat constantly. And two, AC Milan simply swamped Kivara Scalia. There was, there was a double team or triple team on the person who's supposed to feed Victor at all times. So Victor was having to fashion a lot from a little. I have watched Victor play in a team where, where very little was manufactured for him and that was Nigeria. Nigeria's plan in a World Cup qualifier was just basically knock it long and Victor will chase and he can he scored more than one goal that was given offside that you know on another day with a slightly more bent run he still scores because he's still so dangerous but if you look at this Napoli team I think I mean they have a squad or they have a first team that has three or four members of staff that you are wondering how Napoli got to them before everyone else uh, and Greaser was a player who, if it wasn't for COVID, I think would have been kept in the Premier League by one of the clubs when Fulham went down. Uh, Kim In Jae is a centre back now who's being touted with very, very large figures. Kivara Scalia ha- is now at Napoli for- because he was released by Ruben Kazan due to geopolitical issues, shall we say? Right. This is a squad that has three or four players who are now going to be ranked as top five in their position. And Victor Oshman is one of them. And I think what's also really great about this Napoli team is, is a lot of these players come from, quote-unquote, unfashionable nationalities. If if, if Victor Oshman was you know, Victor, slightly different surname from the Banyus of Paris, this wouldn't be a conversation already. We would have had this conversation last season and yeah. he would have gone to somewhere for 100 million. Uh, I, I think the same thing for Kivala Skele. If his first name was Kevin... Slightly different issue, and he would have been playing in in the Bundesliga, uh, and that's the strength of this Napoli team. This Napoli team it, it has looked beyond passports, has looked beyond uh, a slightly more rigid way of thinking to to find just fantastic football players. From well, isn't that the the, isn't that the strength of the city as well? As I understand it, you know, there's sort of this underdog city fighting against metropolitan elite elsewhere in Italy and you know a, a Korean a Georgian a Nigerian and they're all in this melting pot and we're gonna show you yeah 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 one I've, I've only been to Naples briefly it's a part of Italy that is both very Italian and also a direct response to the rest of Italy not liking it and it can create a very distinct sense of found family if you find your place in naples and 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 the people of naples look after you you will be loved by them in in a particularly uh in a particularly distinct way i think anyone listening to this should check out kula bali's essay on players tribune about how he feels neapolitan almost as much as he feels all of his other places he's been to and he describes that experience of of, of playing in naples uh, almost as if you know it, it's its own unique passport that probably adds an interesting dimension to the discussion about where any player if they leave Napoli should 
go nuts because they're coming out of a not far off, John, unique culture. Yeah, I, I guess so. But I, I think when it comes to, to Victor Osserman, you know, the sky is very much the limit and um, he's going to be so sought after by so many teams and they're going to do so much to try and get him there that uh, I, I expect that there will be a culture shock for him but um, it, it will be a culture shock where he is in one of the biggest cities in Europe in a footballing sense Well let's try and work out which one will do that next This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's betterhel dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. Certainly, Osman will be a or the name on so many people's lips and rightly so if you see what he's done Lato corto entra in area alza il pallone secondo palo Simen in area Simen Che gol Victor Osimen Whoever wants Osimen this summer is going to have a really tough time agreeing a deal with Napoli I hear figures quoted within the industry of a, around 150 million euros Manchester United have perhaps been the most heavily linked to him he is high up on their list of potential striker signings for the upcoming transfer window this is the priority position for United it's just whether they ultimately decide to go for him or somebody else whether they can afford it it is very very difficult to extract players from Napoli and this is a key point because Victor Osterman is going to cost a huge amount of money if he moves on from Napoli Aurelio De Laurentiis the owner is yeah, a really tough negotiator. He very rarely sells unless he wants to, and when he does, he puts a premium on it. His signing from Lille was pretty expensive. People forget that. They paid 75 million for him, and that transfer is under investigation by prosecutors uh, here in Naples. 
because of the packaging in of, of these unknown players from Napoli's academy and their valuation at around 20 million. Napoli, of course, deny all wrongdoing. But in terms of the player and his place in the market, that is well established and I'm fascinated to see how it ends up. I'm still doubtful that uh, he will leave in the summer as much as it's his dream one day to play in the Premier League. I wouldn't be surprised if Osimhen is still here driving around in his powder blue Mercedes Jeep uh, next season as well. That was James Horncastle and David Ornstein assessing how the summer could unfold for Oshimen. Would you pay over 100 million for him, John? If you're not you per if you were running a team, obviously <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean this is going to be the big question, isn't it? It's going to be which team has that 100 million available because I think the the rumors have always circulated around him going to Manchester United and um, there's I think a lot of reasons for that because um, we know that Eric Ten Hag likes a striker in that kind of mould he's used usually traditional nines apart from when he's uh, played a little bit of underdog football in the Champions League um, and Victor Osman is obviously the perfect um, the, the perfect prototype for him. Big question is, can can Man- Manchester United afford a hundred million? And then, as you've already mentioned, Man City already have Erling Haaland in in English football. That probably leaves, um, I, I guess, Chelsea as the as the money the money throwers. Mm-hmm. Um, Arsenal cannot again. That's a that's a money issue for them. But all of these clubs will be assessing him, working out whether or not they can fit him into their squad, whether or not they can um, they can fit him into their budget as well. I, I, I kind of feel like this is happening with quite a few players at the moment, uh, Carl, where you're sort of looking at them and you're thinking, God, they're an amazing talent. Their price tag might be... I mean, Bellingham's another prime example here. De- you could throw... We did Declan Rice earlier this week. You throw Declan Rice in there. Yes, lots of clubs want them. Yes, lots of clubs are linking with them. But actually, when you drill down into budgets and numbers... Whether the market is going to be there or not is a is a different matter. Yes, and I think this is a soft impact of of the two and a half seasons of of football behind closed doors and COVID. Right, there, there's a number of football players who are either at the club they are currently are for a bit too long, or are at a wrong or different club because the club they were supposed to go to couldn't afford it due to COVID. Donny van der Beek could have been at Real Madrid if not for COVID-19. Paul Pogba could have been at Real Madrid if not for that, right? I think a player of Ruben Neves' talent or of Judy Tiedemann's talent probably would have moved higher up in the Premier League table if the 2019-20 season didn't have so many games behind closed doors and so many of the top six clubs losing about two million per home game. So you've got transfer rates constantly increasing and wage rates constantly increasing and you've got a number of these big clubs who are beginning to you know quote-unquote heal their budgets but also especially in England you know you've got a top six which means there's always two clubs that are going ah we're in the Europa League instead so they can't quite stretch the budget and then you've also got this I think really interesting situation where there's some clubs that perhaps haven't had four seasons in a row of Champions League football so therefore they have slightly stricter FFP considerations. If Manchester United want to buy Victor Oshman, that will cost, I think you have to start talking about 100 million. Okay, they might have 100 million to spend, but also they have certain FFP things to sort out. So then that becomes a question of to bring in Oshman, you have to push out three or four players to make that look good on the FFP books. Can they make that work in time? Uh, there's also the fact that De Laurentiis is 
um, I'll put this politely, Daniel Levy-esque in the transfer market. <laughs> so anyone trying to buy uh, Victor, uh, I don't think he's going to turn up for the first week of preseason. I think if he is going to turn up, he's going to turn up mid-April. Uh, he's going to turn up mid-August or late <laughs> August as well, shall we say? Um, so that cre- creates another wrinkle. Uh, should Victor Oshman be a hundred million, 100 million plus striker in this market? Absolutely. Who can afford that? Secondary question, big wrinkle, might not be the team you expect. No, and and actually, John, it's sort of, you can't see, well, Barcelona certainly couldn't afford him. Real Madrid might be looking elsewhere. Who knows? There's still a Kylian Mbappe question mark around Real Madrid, whether that's this summer, next summer, every summer until he eventually <laughs> uh, goes there. You, you wonder, and there has been a link, you wonder whether it's Bayern Actually, Bayern seem to be the would be the biggest threat you would imagine to a to a move to the Premier League. Yeah, and I think that that is again because of tactical considerations. Because as we as we said before with Victor Osman, like the tactical considerations aren't maybe as important. If you want to get a striker who is just going to score a lot of goals, and you will try and fit your team around that striker. But I think the teams that we mentioned, Manchester United and Bayern Munich, uh, particularly both both very good tactical fits. As they as they stand for Victor Osman, so it makes a, a degree of sense that, that that sort of move might be might be done. But 100 million seems sounds like a lot to me for a for a Bayern Munich transfer. But um, these are strange times that we live in, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Are you allowing yourself to get excited with your Manchester United connections, <laughs> Carl? Not enough. I'm holding back. Uh, I will say I am Ghanaian, so to praise a Nigerian striker for this long. <laughs> <laughs> has been quite painful. <laughs> just, just a scooch. Um, I think you know. I think Victor Oshman would be very good for Eric Ten Hag. However, you know, there would be small tactical considerations to be made. We've talked a lot about his relationship with Kavaskelia on the left wing for Manchester United. That's Marcus Rashford's position. Marcus Rashford is not the sort of cross first shoot second archetype that Cavalascaria is so they, they'd probably have to be some work done on the training ground to build that sort of hypothetical playing relationship between Marcus and Victor however I think you know talented players tend to figure things out so that could work the Bayern Munich one is one of those things that slightly frightens me with my Manchester United hat on because it makes it makes the perfect sense in yeah. the way that Bayern tend to be very smart and tend to always find a good striker to play for the you know five or six years, Hoover up lowers the gold, and eventually win another treble. So we'll see. Uh, we will uh, end it there. We will uh, see what happens. Uh, John, thank you very much. Carl, thank you as ever. All of John's great analysis on the TIFO uh, YouTube channel. Uh, more from Carl on The Athletic. Uh, simply go to athletic.com slash football pod uh, if you're not already a subscriber. See you soon. The Athletic.